Okay. Well, we did not do the auction last night, so we're going to do the auction first this morning, and I'm going to turn the mic over to Scott. All right. How's everyone this morning? Good, good. So, thinking about this, I think um, we've got a lot of great baskets up here. And I think we're just going to uh, bid to the highest bidder gets choice here. So, um, please don't make me break out into my auctioneer call because uh, it's, early. it's early. It's early. So can I have an opening bid of $50? 50? All right, I've got 50. Yeah, we, we can. I've got 50. Do I hear 75? 75, all right. I've got 75. Do I hear 100? Your choice. How about 80? 75, do I hear 80? <laughs> 75, do I hear 80? There's a beautiful choice up here. A lot of good stuff. Come on up and take a look. Yep. Basket from Hawaii, a ba two from Louisiana, one from Minnesota, one from California, and we also have a um, basket of stuff from uh, Dr. Pepper uh, Keurig. Lots of shirts, hats, that kind of thing. Some beverages. 75, do I hear any, anybody? 75, your pick. There is a beautiful basket from Hawaii. 75 is a top bid. 75, do I hear any? I've got 80. I've got 80. Do I hear 85? I've got 80. Do I hear 85? That takes the top pick. You get to pick whichever basket. I've got 80. Anybody got 85? There's some beautiful choices up here. Eighty going once. Eighty going twice. Last chance. 90. I've got ninety. I've got ninety. Ninety dollars. Do I hear ninety-five? Well, I've got one hundred. I've got one hundred dollars for choice. One hundred for choice. Do I hear one hundred and ten? Remember, it's going to a good cause, folks. Going to a good cause. 
and there's a lot of good stuff up here. I've got 100. Do I hear 110? 100 going once. 100 going twice. Sold for $100. Come take your pick. That's uh, the one in the wrap right there. This one. You sure? Oh, that one. Yep. Yeah, that yep. That's Hawaii. yep, that's Hawaii's. And it came in that bag, so. All right, Hawaii, Hawaii one is gone. Who will give me 50 for the next pick? 50. I've got 50. 60, anyone? 60. 60. I've got 60. How about 70? 70 for the next pick? I've got 60. 70. I've got 70. Do I hear 80? I've got 70. Do I hear 80? I've got 70. There's still a ton of stuff up here. 70. Do I hear 80? 75. 75. I've got 70. 75, anyone? 70 going once. 70 going twice. Sold for $70. All right. No, okay, Louisiana's gone. All right. Next up. Once again, $50. There's still a lot more stuff up here. Good cause. Well, give me 50, your choice, for what's left up here. How about, let's start at 25. 25, next pick. 25, all right. Do I hear 30? 30. I've got 30. It's a deal. It's a big deal. I've got 30. Do I hear 35? 35. I've got 35. Do I hear 40? I've got 35. Do I hear 40? I got 35 going once, 35 going twice, sold for 35. All right, see which one goes here. All right, let's uh, go ahead and start bidding on the couple baskets we have left. Do I hear 25? These are minimum $50 baskets, 25 bucks. 50 on the next one, okay. We got one more gone. Hmm? Uh, I thought, actually, I thought you had bought the last one for 35, yeah. You bought one, yep. Okay, okay, so. <laughs> 25 on 25 on next pick. 25 on next pick. But 20 on next pick. That's a deal. 20 bucks, you're walking home with a bunch of stuff. 20 bucks. Do I have 20? Hey, for 20, I'll put in 20. 25? I know where there's a deal. 20, I've, I've got 20. 25? 25, your pick. I think we've got two or three left up here. Are you guys really gonna let me walk away with this one for 20 bucks? Well, I'm definitely gonna take one for 20 bucks. Anybody got an offer on the last ones left here? Come on, guys. I'm gonna take, the, I'm gonna take this one. I'm gonna take the seven up one. Yep, mm-hmm. I think we'll take our own basket. We like this stuff. 25? All right, I've got 25. All right, I've got 25 on your pick on what's left here. So we've got what? How many left? Oh, we've got, well, how about let's do five bucks a, or five bucks a piece on the bags. Maple syrup. You can take that right home in your suitcase. Five bucks. All right. You're going to take a... 
All right. So let's see. What? So if we take out a couple bags, how many bags do we have left? Five, five bucks per bag. Five bucks per bag. Three bags left. Five bucks. <laughs> First one's up with five bucks. Take a bag. You can't beat that price. What's in the bag? It's it's maple syrup. Wisconsin maple syrup. Yep. Which is a steal. Don't, if you go to near my chocolates, I'm taking your arm. <laughs> taking your arm. Taking my arm. Yeah, this chocolate's going to be mine. Yep, one nice Louisiana basket left. We'll take offer on what's left up here. I just wanted to say a quick thank you to everybody who donated a basket, and uh, this was a fun event. And uh, in my case, this uh, Dr. Pepper basket I purchased, if anybody's looking to try a beverage, you're welcome to come up and take the beverages. Those are, I'm going to leave here in Las Vegas. So if anybody's curious, come up and check it out. And uh, be sure to talk to your Dr. Pepper rep and take a look at their product. It's a great product, and we thank them for their donation as well. All right, any bids on the Minnesota basket? It's got a Purple Rain CD, a Grumpy Old Men DVD, a trilogy, plus assorted good stuff from the, what's the name of your state again? Minnesota. Well, I mean, what do they call it, the what state? Oh, Minnesota. Okay, it's from Minnesota. Come on, aren't there any bidders out there? Twenty-five. Come on, somebody give us twenty-five. Caribou coffee. There, you need something to wake you up in the morning. We got a bit of twenty-five. We got a bit of twenty-five here. Shiitake happens. Minnesota, home of Hubert Humphrey, Walter Mondale, and uh, other people. Amy Klobuchar. Yeah, there we go. We got twenty-five. Anybody want to go? Right. You going to let her walk off with this bargain? Come on, folks. Any bidders? It's 25. That's right. Somebody I'm sorry I missed seeing. He was on my agenda to see. Yep. The only other person is Bob Dylan. Yes, home of Robert Zimmerman. Now, come on. Pardon? She said 20, 25 is the bid right now. 25 is the bid? Yes. All right. Well, good. And the basket itself looks like it's Minnesota. It's all... Uh, it's, yeah. Shall I say 25 going once? Yep. 25 going once. 25 going twice. Sold for 25. Okay, and our first item on the agenda, and I'm going off the top of my head, is iPhone accessibility. And we have two panel members, John Palmer uh, from Low Vision AIDS and Brian Charlson from our esteemed 
ACB radio team. So we'll turn it over to them. Okay, B Brian has volunteered me <laughs> to go first. <clears throat> this is John Palmer speaking. Hi everybody. Well, I wanna thank, you know, thank the group for asking me to speak. Um, not in any official capacity with Apple in the sense that uh, I've ever worked with Apple in terms of a, being an employee, but I can share with you all the tricks that I've learned from users and what we discovered. And I am certainly an authorized iOS application developer that developed a software to be used within the iPad Pro that's used within our Patriot Pro product. So we're like the first to sort of say, hey, this industry is being catapulted with Apple's technology. We just need to use them for the hardware. As you know, we need to make machines using their hardware and, and, and so forth. So one of the things and how this, I think, really started was Dan <laughs> and I run into each other at, at, all over the country. Dan travels a lot, and so do I. And there was uh, an issue with his iPhone that he needed some, you know, I showed him something. He's like, oh my gosh, how many times have you all gone to the Apple store, raise your hand, and ask the geniuses, right? Well, some of them are savvy to what's available. Yep, I see several hands here in the audience. And some of them just, you know, they don't really know. It is very technical. So there's one thing I want to start off is uh, a site that you can get it all broken down on what's the newest and greatest in iOS 13, okay? So this is very recent. There's been a big update on the platform for blind and visually impaired, right? It usually happens every September, by the way. You know, there's updates throughout the year, but September is sort of the magical month for Apple to look at this. And, uh, okay, let me find it on my iPhone. Oh, I got so many texts coming in here, okay. Oh, what's new in iOS 13? Accessibility for individuals who are blind and deafblind. Okay, and that is applevis.com. <clears throat> so if you want a reference point to maybe look at, other than trying to find it in the Apple owner's manual, um, applevis.com is a gentleman, uh, Scott Devert, that you know, writes about empowering blind and low vision users of Apple products and applications. I mean, he'd be... Uh, Scott's last name is Devert. D as in Delta, A, V as in Victor, E, R, T. So, the applevis.com goes into a lot of technical attributes related to voiceover, mostly, voice control, uh, haptic feedback, you know, and sort of different ways of inputting into your device. Uh, 
Does anyone here in the room use your finger to slide on the keyboard? Yeah, someone back there does. Is that Sandy back there? Oh, yeah, wow. Okay, so uh, they added like a, a tone that if you leave your finger on that letter, it'll go click, 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 you know, to let you know it's going to put that letter in. And it helps to predict the word. So I personally don't use it, but I know sometimes I accidentally invoke it, right? And, and sometimes the keyboard splits up in two pieces too. But what I'm trying to do is say um, those specific things regarding voiceover and haptic uh, feedback and all are in, in, in that article. He didn't discuss much about low vision users. That's interesting because low vision users haven't given, he, he explains, hasn't given a lot of feedback on that, what they like. But here's um, some of the kind of things that when I discussed with people, hey, do you know about this? They seem to go, oh, wow, that's really neat. So in your use of your iOS device, your iPhone, we'll pick on the iPhone right now. <clears throat> How do you type in voice voiceover? Can anyone just yell out what they do? Dictate. Dictate. Okay, that's good, Aris. Yeah. So you can speak your words on the screen, right? Everyone know about the microphone button, right? But what I guess I'm getting at is when you put your finger on a character in the keyboard, has your finger ever slipped to the wrong character? Okay. Some of you with big fingers, right? <laughs> so that's, that's a real issue when typing in voiceover uh, in the keyboard, you know, typing the wrong character, right? So tapping it, lifting your finger up, then double tapping it, the alternative to that is split tap. So split tap is when if your finger's on something and you want to select it, it could be one of the icons, right? It could be a launch of an application. Just, yeah, keep your finger held on the glass, uh, onto the you know, screen, and then with another finger, tap anywhere. And that's the equivalent of lifting your finger, double tapping. Is, does this make sense? Let me, let me just say it one more time. And some of you might say, oh yeah, we know that. But I found a lot of people that don't know that, that love that. I, I mean, maybe 50%, you know? So if ever you want to select something, you could just, after you hear it on voiceover, you could use your second finger and you could split tap. To me, it reminds me of when I was taught in basketball to keep my foot stationary and then pivot back and forth. Don't lift your foot up off the screen, or, you know, off the floor, but pivot. So split tap was one of them. Uh, low vision users, a lot of them were aware of, and this is probably more to do with the market that's not BEP, but you know, when your friends are retirees and they're looking at magnification they're typically spreading their fingers, right? Spreading their fingers works, but not for everything. 
So everyone here knows how to magnify everything? This, yeah, I'm sure you do, right? But how I do it and, and how we turn it on is we turn on magnification in the settings, in the iOS settings. And with three fingers, you can double tap and it'll pop up like a bifocal at a preset level, which you can set in the settings. So I like 6x for my browser, but I don't like any X or maybe two, you know, 2x you know, steady. And when you take three fingers, and those three fingers can't be touching each other because then they might count as of one finger, right? But they're three individual fingers, and you double tap, keep your fingers on the glass, and slide up and slide down. That's the most powerful magnification feature that everyone really must know. If there's one thing I want everyone to know is that gesture. And the reason I say that is because so many times it's frustrating when you cannot magnify something because that's the only way to do it. It's on all iPhones and it's on all uh, iPads, iOS, but the question is Android. You can do that with Android, yes, with two fingers, double tap, and you can slide up and down with Android. But you have to turn that on in the settings. So yeah, your device will have a section on settings, which is another change I think Apple made last September was it's not exactly in the general, but it's, it's all by itself on the top menu in settings for accessibility. It's just getting stronger and stronger. It's just getting stronger. So I can show you if you have an Android. Yeah. I'm going to show you. Okay, after I speak, I'll, I'll, I'll set it, how to set it to turn it on. And it works really neat because that gives you 100% magnification capability, especially when you're locked in a corner somewhere that's not, it's not going to magnify, you know. So there really is 100% of the screen being able to be magnified. Unless something really bad happens to the operating system and you need to reset it. Then you could reset it. You know, that happens very infrequent, but it can happen. So raise your hand if you are an Android user. Okay. So we have one Android user in the room. Maybe there was another one. Um, that's okay. I don't mean it's, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> I didn't mean to single you out, but you notice I said, okay, well, here's a question. Raise your hand if you're an iOS Apple user. Now raise your hand if you don't use a smartphone. Oh, no one's admitting that? <laughs> okay. You know, sometimes uh, I have to think back at uh, a question that was asked me about a testimonial of one of my products. They said, what's your testimonial about your product? And I said, well, I don't use the product as a user, but I might be because, you know, I have diabetes and I have diabetic retinopathy and I'm getting treatment in one eye and get injected and all that. But regardless, I say, I guess it's like my experience with the smartphone, hasn't it really changed the game for uh, the visually impaired? It's changed the game for our lives. It's helped us a lot in being more productive. In a world that's, 
I mean, it would be nice if not everyone needed to, you know, be more competitive and productive and it could just be that way. But, but it has really changed. So I hope that technology does that for everyone in their individual way. Everyone has a certain level of desire to use the technology, and that's, that I appreciate and respect that. So specific questions is probably um, what I'm going to kind of turn the mic over to, but only after Brian has a chance to sort of discuss what he would like to. But specific questions that have caused you frustration with your phone, think about those, maybe save them for after what Brian has to say, and maybe we could field those. Okay? All right, Brian. Okay, now it's the rest of the story. All right? Um, although in the program it said that I'm with the ACB radio team, I've kind of left my team member out in the cold today. Okay, I gave him a cold. So that's, that's also true. For 34 years, I ran the Carroll Center for the Blind's computer training services program. So from the days of the early, gee, my computer keyboard didn't even have a shift key up to today. And out of all of the things that I've done, nothing has changed my way of living more than iOS and voiceover. Nothing has had that effect on me. Because it's not, oh God, I wish they never called it a phone. It's really a handheld computer that, oh, by the way, can be your phone too. And as a result of that misnomer, uh, people get them and they frequently massively underutilize them. And they get them and they get all of their training from nobody. They might go to the Apple store and go to a couple of free trainings, but trust me, those free trainings tend to be uh, an eye-hand coordination experience. You say voiceover, and they said, oh, yes, I know about voiceover. I turned it on right here. And then they try to use your device with you when they're still trying to do it in the see it, touch it mode. And of course, we're not doing see and touch. We're doing, for the most part, hear and react to things. So the first thing I'd like to recommend to everybody is find a teacher. Now that teacher can be a professional, and it's amazing what can be called a professional these days. If you can go to one of these quick places where you can get business cards printed up, gee, you're a professional. And you're a professional because you use it, but you're not necessarily a professional because you're good at teaching somebody else how to do that thing. So be cautious. Shop for somebody who's good at communicating how to use a device. I recommend that that not be your spouse. Um, those of you who've tried to help your spouse using tech know what I'm talking about. It, it does not help your relationship. So with that understood, I want to talk to you about 
the first steps you should be taking and what you should expect. How long has the current version of iOS been out? Weeks. The full version has been out for weeks. When will the next version come out? Weeks. Major, yes, in September, that's absolutely true. Though I have to tell you, I have an aversion to anything point zero. So if they, when they come out with 14.0, I will still be enjoying 13 point something. I'm waiting until that point something else comes out because they're inevitably going to find bugs. It just is the way that development is done these days. We are all <laughs> guinea pigs in the design, ability, and usability of these things. So keep that in mind. Let the other guy bloody his shins on the bleeding edge of technology. It's okay to be the second guy out the emergency door. In fact, I never want to be the first guy out of emergency door on a plane. How about you, artist? No, 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 no. I want that splat sound to be somebody else, not me. So, one, do not upgrade just because an upgrade's out there, if it's a point oh. But pay attention to security. The vast majority of the problems people have with spam, with spoofing, with all of those nasty people out there who seem to have no be nothing better to do than to annoy you with breaking into your devices, that's the reason you need to update your iOS. So do it. Check it out. I don't put mine on automatic because, uh, I, like I said, I'd like somebody else to um, find out where the problems are before I launch into it. I suggest you do the same. Now, you've got your device. You're using it just fine. Now what? Because things keep changing. I don't know what my device is capable of anymore. I absolutely agree with John. AppleViz.com. Now, AppleViz.com is more than one person. It's a community of users. Maybe you don't have time to go try out 14 different apps, all of which purport to do the same thing, but you know they're not all going to be accessible just because they're on your iPhone. So I always turn to AppleViz.com, go to the section where you can look at apps by category, and read what's there. Some people, that's what they do for fun. Some people play video games. Some people watch sports on TV. Some people trial and error software. So let that be somebody else, not you, unless you've got a great deal of tolerance for these things, especially if you're using your device for business reasons. Some of these apps, although they've made it through the Apple Store, you know, the App Store, they're not really there for prime time, and they can interfere with other apps that you are already involved with. So, you want to have a new app that does QR code reading. Where do you find out about it? AppleViz.com.
How are you going to pick between the 25,000 that say they do this? Appleviz.com. There are some other resources out there. You know, you can get the AFB technology newsletter, uh, Access World. There'll be things there. You'll see things in the Braille forum and the Braille monitor, those kinds of things. But for my money, AppleViz.com. Another thing I want to tell you folks is you're more dependent on that phone than you realize. You're more dependent on that tablet than you realize. It was about, oh, 20 years ago or so, uh, my family and I were sending out annual Christmas letters, and one morning we woke up and there was a smell of burning electronics in the house. It was our computer's hard drive dying, and it had the only copy of our mailing list. All of our contacts were there, and it hadn't been what? Back it up, baby. Back it up. Don't come to me crying when it doesn't work, and you never back up. You've got to back up that device. The more dependent you are on it, the more you need to take out that little insurance policy. There are things you can do to get that device to work better for you. Probably the one I would recommend the most is do more in the cloud. You go out and buy a phone or a tablet, and you see that the price difference has a great deal to do with how much what? How much data it will hold, right? Well, heavens, you're online most of the time in one form or another. So do yourself a favor. Don't invest a lot of money in that extra memory in the device. Invest that time and energy into mastering keeping data on the cloud. It both means, gee, I have a backup. And it means that if your phone's not working right today, but your tablet is, you have access to the same information without having to worry about duplicating one thing to the other. I also think that there's a time now where we all have to uh, remember that the information we utilize, other people need to utilize as well. Artists, you have a, a calendar you keep? Hello, artists. Do you keep a calendar, artists? In her head. No, 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 no. Kevin, have you ever found out that artists has obligated you to do something at the exact same time you've obligated you to do something? It does now and then, doesn't it? That calendar, you can get a good calendar app for virtually nothing that allows you to share your time blocks with people you think should know where you are at a given time, or more importantly, who won't double book you for things. My wife is the queen of double booking. She frequently calls me to say, 
by the way, I've just bought tickets to a play. It's $56 a ticket. You're available, aren't you? That's not the order in which these things should be done. So get a calendar, use a calendar, share a calendar with people. You could use that with your employees, couldn't you? Knowing who's supposed to be where, when. And the ability to make changes on the fly and nobody can claim, I didn't know. There's a great one out there right now called Cozy. C-O-S-I. Cozy. Uh, It's an annual subscription of $27, I think, a year. But you can do this kind of calendaring for your entire family or all of your staff. You can use it as you will, and it has many other features as well. One of the things we all fall into is we um, do not invest enough time in spring cleaning that device of yours. ACB President Kim Charlson had 5,802 contacts in her contact list. And she devoted a month to clean it. She now has 1,012. What were those other 4,000? They were duplicate records where it only contained the email address. Have you ever tried saying to Siri, send a text message to so-and-so? And they say, which so-and-so do you want? Do you want John so-and-so or John so-and-so or John so-and-so or John? They all sound alike to you, and you can't get past that. You got to do housekeeping. How would your stands be doing today if you didn't take time out to clean them? Just because it's not getting in your way, you think, trust me, the trash needs taking out. You need to go in, clear up your contacts. You need to go in, clear up your text messages. You can go into settings uh, and do some automatic that says, gee, do I really need a text message that's more than 30 days old? The way I use it, I don't. But you need to make some decisions about keeping that device clean. You know how it feels like it's getting slower and slower? Well, you'd get slow too if you had to step over all the trash that's laying everywhere. So it's no surprise the phone has the same thing. Whether it's phone or tablet, this is a huge thing you need to simply take care of. Now I'm going to tell you the last thing, and that is people's least favorite thing about an iOS device is using a keyboard on it. It's not just a low vision person that has trouble. It's not just a a voiceover user who has troubles. Everybody has troubles and hates it. So there's a whole bunch of methods built in to try to simplify that process. You heard of two different ways to type. That is, slide your finger to the one you want, then double tap. Slide your finger to the next one you want, and double tap. And then the split finger tap. Slide your finger to the one you want, 
keep that finger down and touch the screen anywhere with the second finger. I like the third method. It's slide your finger and lift it. And that types that character. I can type in that fashion about 20 words a minute, which is more than enough for my life. Um, it really is a matter of how few motions do I want to have to make. If I lift my finger up off the D key, when I put it back down after typing a D, where's the S key? To the left, just a little bit. On the other hand, if I slide my finger to the D and then double tap anywhere on the screen, when I put my finger down, it's likely not to be where I last touched. So this makes a much faster experience for a voiceover user. The other thing I'd like to recommend is that you buy a few little extras for your little honey bun, that phone that's in your pocket and you spend more time with than your sweetheart. Buy a Bluetooth keyboard for it. So that when you do things such as housekeeping, where you're not trying to do it with one hand while taking money with the other, okay, you can do that kind of housekeeping. That is, believe me, the only way Kim got down to 1,000 and some odd contacts. She did none of that except on a Bluetooth keyboard. Up here today, I am wearing Bose frames. Anybody hear them? Really nice, sexy pair of shades. But built into them is Bluetooth earpieces and Bluetooth microphones. So I can do a lot hands-free. Uh, let's try this. Uh, hey, Siri. She's not going to listen to me now. Make a liar out of me. That's what tech does when you do a demo, by the way. It's simply called the demo effect. But nonetheless, I can give voice commands without having to reach for things. I do have a little button on the side that acts as if it's the home button. But it does mean that my I've got a situation where I can use both hands. What I really like about these is I don't have something sticking in my ear. So I can lean over to artists and hear her speak to me without having to pull a plug out of an ear and say, what'd you say? And I can tell my environment around me as I'm navigating. That's real advantage, real advantage. So get yourself a keyboard, get yourself Bluetooth connectivity, both for microphone and for hearing, for those headphones. And now I'd like to, if it's all right with artists, open the floor to questions. Sure. How much time do we have? Um, go ahead and take a few minutes. Um, I have the first question. Uh, artist has the first question. What do you do under settings to be able to like, clear out, you know, like text and stuff like that? What do you do? So she says, where in settings do you go to clear things up? Well, it depends on which things you're clearing up. Like but if you go to settings... Um, well, let me back up and say a couple things. Go to settings, but what you want to do is to go into general, okay? Because um, in 
general toward the bottom, you know, after all the usual things, there's a list of your different applications. And each one of those applications, you can modify the settings there rather than having to open each app, make the adjustment, close that app, find the next one, open it, close it. You can do it all through settings. So go settings, general, and just keep flicking. Okay. Um, by the way, if you have apps on your phone that you haven't used for more than a year, delete them. You're not going to use them next year either. Not going to happen. Okay, next. Questions. John, you're still up here with me, right? Good. Questions from anybody? Or, you know what I like even more? Suggestions. Okay, microphone's coming. Who has a question? Okay, here it comes. Aloha. Aloha. So it's easy to delete. Uh, when I'm typing, typing a message, uh, it's easy to delete a character. Now I paste a paragraph, and I want to edit that paragraph by deleting maybe a word here, a line there, and maybe several lines. What is the best way to do it instead of doing it character by character by character? Okay. Good question. So when you're in a situation where you need to do editing that is awkward letter by letter, then what you want to do is to get an active cursor in that area that you're interested in. You know, just uh, use your rotor to switch to words or whatever until you're on the word in question. In fact, I flick uh, down multiple times till I hear the word, then I flick up one time so that I'm at the beginning of that word, right? So far, so good? Now, understand that you have other options you're not utilizing at that point. That is, if you move to actions on your rotor, now you can flick down and have other choices, such as delete word, delete line, delete paragraph. So that's one way to do some editing there. Another way to do it is to get to a particular point and do a double tap and hold so that, you know, you know on your uh, Windows machine for so many years, you memorized a lot of things only to find out other people simply hit the applications menu key. And there was all this list of things you could do you never knew you could do. Same thing here. A double tap and hold on something is going to bring up some uh, how do I put it? It's going to bring up some choices that are only available at that time. And there will be editing ways there for you to select word, select line, select paragraph, and then work from it from there. Once you do the selecting, your choices pop up to do things like cut, copy, paste, those kinds of things, giving you more editing capability. 
Does that make sense? Okay. Next I a, question. I have a question for you about the three variations of um, typing on the yes. keyboard with voiceover. <laughs> Do you have to make an individual selection as to which of the three you want to utilize when you turn on voiceover? Or does it have the capability of functioning with any of them that you use once voiceover is enabled? What you can do if you anticipate moving between styles for some reason, okay? So what you do is you, once again, go into settings, and within settings, you want to uh, go to accessibility, and in accessibility, you go down to where it talks about the rotor. And in the rotor, What's, all, what's turned off for you right now is a choice on the rotor that will let you quickly move between keyboarding styles. So you flick down through the rotor's choice until you hear it say keyboard, and you turn it on. Now, anytime there is a keyboard that has the focus in your device, you can use the rotor to turn to keyboard and flick up or down to move between the three different kinds of keyboards. Does that make sense? Yes, thank you. You bet. Questions? How difficult is it to move between Android and an iOS iPhone? It was more than 15 years ago that I got a grant at the Carroll Center to try out every kind of accessible phone there was. Remember back when uh, Motorola had a phone? Those kind of things. And I tried all of them. And when it was all said and done, the grant allowed me to keep one of the items that I had acquired. And I made a decision that I totally thought I wouldn't want when I started the project. And I ended up going with the iPhone. Now, I've been out to Google land, you know, our fine people at uh, Google, uh, who wrote the Android operating system. And they're very proud of the Android operating system and with some justification. But I personally feel that a lot of the commands you're expected to master do not do one thing for me. They don't seem to be part of a pattern of commands. For me, if I do something going to the right, if I want to do the opposite, what do I want to do? I want to go to the left. That's a pattern I'm looking for. So. I will tell you that, in my opinion, it's harder to go from an iOS device to an Android device than the other way around. Uh, one of the biggest reasons I feel that is because, what did we say? There was one Android user in here and a couple of dozen iOS users. So where do I turn when I'm... It's. Um, 9.30 in the evening, and I forgot how to do something. I turned to a fellow user, and I have very few, I had very few and fellow Android users who were using the access that I had. The 
The trouble is that Android is so much potentially less expensive. The other thing about Android is how many versions of iOS are there? There's newer ones and newer ones and newer ones, right? How many active versions of Android are out there right now? Hundreds. Because Android can be downsized by the manufacturer who is installing it. So maybe they put in a modified version of Marshmallow or KitKat or any of the other cutesy uh, names they give those things, right? So just because it worked one way on an Android device, you go out and buy another Android device from another manufacturer and it doesn't have the same version of Android in it. It's a trimmed down version for the sake of cost and speed. I, I really do believe, however, that you have to be careful when you're transferring from one uh, ecosystem to another. So hold on to your one <laughs> um, Android phone. Don't go in on a, uh, a Friday and switch from Android to iOS because by Monday, um, you're going to go, need to go get your hair cut because you piled so much out, you're looking a little wonky. Uh, not a good time to change on a Friday. Um, this is Ted Drake from Intuit. Uh, as a iOS and Android developer, um, Android is much easier to increase font size because as a developer, I don't really have to do anything. But for iOS, it's really difficult to make font size uh, flexible. So for low vision that uses uh, font size, you may find iOS frustrating because you'll open up a web app or you'll open up an application and half the text is still small. Whereas with Android, the text is universally going to be growing. But for a screen reader user, I think iOS is better. But Android's getting better. Yes, Android is getting better. Uh, and again, I think price does matter. Uh, so you have to decide how much you're going to invest in that. As a long-time trainer, I will tell you that more than 80% of it isn't working is not in the hardware, it's not in the software, it's in the jellyware. That's you. The user, that's where things short out a lot, okay? So invest in you, the user, by getting some serious training in how to use this device most effectively. Any last question? Thank you very much for your attention. I want to suggest that if you're using other devices, remember I said ecosystem, Apple, Android. In my house, I have a Google Mini. I have an uh, Amazon television. And I have Echoes all through my house. And my wife felt a desperate need for me to get uh, Cortana. So, uh, 
think the next time you buy whether the time has come for you to learn how to live in a mixed household. It can drive you batso. Thank you. Okay. Um, our next speaker is going to be uh, Teresa Hout, and she's going to talk to us about the challenges of a person with a dual disability. And um, I'm looking forward to hearing from her. She said there's challenges, but there's also rewards. So welcome, Teresa Hout. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Tricia Hout. I'm from Idaho. I'm a deafblind entrepreneur. Happy Valentine's, by the way. And I would like to say a very special thank you to artists for inviting me to come and speak today. Um, it's very much appreciated. She actually made a dream of mine come true by inviting me to speak about individuals with dual disabilities because often with the, in the BE program, they recognize your blindness, but they don't recognize you are deaf. And even though I use a cochlear implant to hear with, they kind of forget that part, and I kind of sit in the back and feel a little left out. And I need to have a very much thanks today to Brian Charles for putting me live on the ACB website. I was able to hear 100% of the conference. So thank you. Now, a little history. I started losing my sight when I was 11 years old. It took until I was 13 going through psychotherapy for my family to realize I really could not. Actually, when the eye doctor told me that I was going to be blind by the time I was 18, I was relieved because I knew now what I faced and what the challenges were going to be. I thought, boy, was I wrong. So as life went over, I was with visual impairment in the 70s were not what they were cracked up to be. I found that teachers, instead of giving me 100% of the work, was cutting my workload in half. So therefore, I struggled once I got to high school because I was a lousy speller. I excelled in math because it was something natural. So anybody that knows anything about the school systems even today, they still have those same challenges. I would not have believed it except for I went to college in 2009. I got my bachelor's degree in business administration with an emphasis on human resources. I could not believe that I was facing some of the same challenges then that I faced when I was in grade school and high school. But being the strong-willed person that I am and independent, I learned that the only one that could make a difference in my life was me, and that was by advocating. And by advocating for myself, I'm advocating for every deafblind individual. So I just say thank you to all of you, because you all have inspired me on one level or another to continue to do what is right, not only for myself, but for other individuals. I was later, as you know, I've talked to you about being deaf. I did not go deaf until I was 32. That 
was my disability. My vision never was my disability. I found when I went deaf, I lost my perspective on the able to communicate with individuals. I lost the interaction with people. I was isolated and that was more scary than being blind. So I learned really quickly after a year of this that for my children's sake and for the sake of my husband, I had to go for the cochlear implant. I am so thankful to this day for cochlear for what they have done for the hearing world. I do not want to change the deaf community. I want people to know there are choices. So I just want you to know, for example, in my private life, I had to do the cochlear implant. I had three children that needed a mom that could advocate for them without having a second party to um, interact for on my behalf. So that was a personal choice. I have many friends that are completely deaf and we get along just fine. When I first got my cochlear implant, I will tell you the deaf community does shy away from it because they think we're changing their culture. I'm not here to change their culture. I was here to better myself. So please never take offense if the deaf community does not want you to change them. Just respect their culture. Um, some of the challenges I've had in business after I graduated with my MBA in 2015 in business, I found that when you're running a location, I've done both cafeterias and vending, the art of communication, even with the cochlear implant, is my barrier. So I am constantly letting people know, please, you know, if you need my attention, tap me on the arm. Do not feel like I'm being offended because I'm not. So um, that is one reason why I do like strictly vending because I'm not constantly one-on-one -on -one with customers every day and it's a stress level for myself. I appreciate coming to the conferences because I learn so much from all of you. Um, challenges in my personal life was just the part of being isolated and I still am today but thank you to Apple and the iOS device. I am able to do Facebook, text messaging, and even with my hearing impairment, I'm still able now to communicate with my grandchildren and grandchildren. So it is a blessing for me. As you might know, I do not believe that challenges are a handicap. I believe that handicap is not facing your challenge head on. So for every challenge, there are 10 rewards in whatever we do. Um, I'm not really sure I was not prepared to speak as well as I should, because I was nervous, I'll admit it. <laughs> so, but I do have to tell you a couple embarrassing things, and I'm gonna start with poor artists. Here all this time, oh, that warm laugh just makes me feel so good. Um, my great-grandfather's name was Artis. So I come to the conference 
looking for a gentleman. And she starts laughing and I was like, I am going to crawl under the table now. But her warm laugh and her welcoming made me feel it was okay to make that slight error. <laughs> but there is one more embarrassing moment that as a, this had nothing to do with really deafness, this had to do with blindness. And it was about 10 years ago. My husband took me out to dinner. And of course, you know, us women, we're always running to the ladies' room, right? Wasn't paying attention. I ran into the bathroom and then I went to sit down and I realized, oh my gosh, I just walked past the urinal. No way. So I'm thinking, okay, I gotta get out of here. I'm sorry, I have to go. So here I am, I'm using the restroom, thinking I'm just gonna escape. What happens when I get out there? There's a gentleman doing his thing. And I was just like, I am thanking God right now for being blind. <laughs> so you think you would run out of the bathroom, right? Nope, not me. By habit, I walked straight over, started washing my hands, and then I realized, what a fool. I'm sitting here, and the guy just laughed. I was so thankful, he was so humorous, but I still crawled out of that bathroom. <laughs> so anyway, I get to the table, and my husband's like, why are you beat red? I just encountered a gentleman in the bathroom. Well, why didn't you leave? because I was first, and he just laughed. And I was like, well, I had to go, sorry. And he goes, okay, then why didn't you just leave? Because habit, creature of habit, I washed my hands. He goes, why he was standing there? Yes. <laughs> so anyway, it wasn't worse. I thought the worst was over after explaining it to my husband. No, the gentleman comes over, taps me on the shoulder, and says, it's okay, honey. You didn't see anything important. It's a good thing. I'm blind as a bat. <laughs> Next thing I know, he's bringing, at the end, the waiter brought us some really great chocolate cake, and it was just an amazing thing that that guy was as embarrassed as I was. But... That is one of my most embarrassing moments. So do not ever be embarrassed if you are a creature of habit, because we are. So um, what I would like to do is actually, if you have questions, because I do not find my disabilities as a challenge as much as people may think, because I'm very vocal. If I can't do something, I'm very outspoken. I ask for help. That is the one thing I encourage everybody, no matter what you're doing in life, please always ask for help because that way you're educating the people around you. So let's go for some questions because I know everybody is probably just sitting so they may just want to know what I do and how it works. So I still had the barrier of communication. But within all that transition, and I was actually, once I learned sign language and I had a tutor coming to my house three days a week, I was very comfortable because I had an outlet of social contact 
and being able to communicate with somebody with using sign language. And it was a big blessing because I had already known some basics. So I felt comfortable learning that. I am still fluent in sign language. However, as I've mentioned before, I seen the struggle on my husband's face and I seen the disappointment in my children not being able to communicate as quickly because they weren't learning quite as fast as I was because it was more of a necessity for me. So that is when I chose to do the cochlear implant six months after I had gone deaf. I flew to Seattle all by myself the first time, totally deaf and visually impaired. That was a scary moment. Here I am carrying this dry easel board and going, oh gee, I hope people really talk to me and write this stuff down. But I learned to ask yes and no questions. So it found that people were more receptive if they just had to say yes, no, maybe, over here, over there. Um, but after meeting with the doctors, and I even met with the deaf community in Seattle um, and explained my situation, even though they were more pro for me to stay deaf, they understood my reasoning. And so after I got the cochlear implant, it was actually a year to the date that I went deaf that I had the surgery as a request of my own. And six weeks later, working with the cochlear implant was actually easier for me because I was already a hearing person. I spoke well. I learned why I was deaf to make sure to work on my tone of voice, make sure I worked on my pronunciation. So unfortunately, most people didn't realize I was deaf unless I told them. And so when I got the implant, we did, you have to wait six weeks for your first programming at that time. Now it's a little earlier. But when they turned on the unit, the sounds were not the same. I had to learn over time different sounds, sirens sounded terrible, a baby crying sounded like six little ducks in the pond. It was just, it was really frustrating at first. It took me probably a year to decipher certain noises, but at that time I was using a Nucleus 22. A year later, the Nucleus 22 did malfunction on me, so I had to go back and redo the surgery and go to the Nucleus 24. And I found a big difference when they hooked that unit up. I was able to recognize voices. I today use the Nucleus 7, which is the latest version. There's a new one coming out this year. But this one is now Bluetooth accessible to my iPhone. So now anything I do on my iPhone, it goes straight to my implant, just like the live stream did. Um, so it was really, it's. The, the technology to me has made my life 120% better. Um, I still find that there are certain things, music is not always what it cracks up to be. I did start when I got the Nucleus 7 last year, was listening and I heard some music because I'm a huge Alan Jackson fan and 
I was at a Hastings and I was just sitting there and all of a sudden I find myself singing the last lyrics of this song and I looked at my husband and I said, that's Alan Jackson. He's like, no way. You would not know anyways. I'm like, yes, that is Alan Jackson. So I went on this little 14-year-old trend. I was finding people. I felt like a little kid. And I was telling Jesse, Jesse, I need to know who is singing this song. And he goes, oh, that's Alan Jackson's new release. And I was like, seriously? I need it. I want it. I have to have it. So now every album Alan Jackson has ever made is downloaded on my iPhone. <laughs> And let me tell you, I can be bopped to all his music now. So the technology is changing, and it's changing for the better for many things if you use it appropriately. And I have to say, the biggest challenge in my life is still today that my own family still does not understand when I can't hear them. I'll get that they'll get so mad at me and say, didn't you hear me, Mom? Were you standing on my left side? Well, yeah. Do I hear with my left side? No. So it is a constant challenge. And I do have to admit it has to do with the, my personal independence because I don't let things stand in my way. So is that, that answer your question? Yes. Thank you. I heard that. <laughs> I like her voice. She speaks up. Is there any other questions? I, I have two comments I'd like to share. First off, I'd thank you for coming to SVA and to Sagebrush and uh, partaking with all of us. I'm glad you're here. Secondly, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing. Thank you. I really appreciate being here. God bless each and every one of you. Thank you. Is there any other questions? I do only have one thing to say, and it's a quote that my grandma gave me when I lost my vision. She always told me, and she has been my rock and my inspiration. God rest her soul. But she's still in my heart. She always told me, there is no mountain too high to climb, no peak too high to reach. She told me to reach for the stars and follow my dreams. I'm asking each and every one of you to do the same as you go through life because you're going to make a difference to somebody. Thank you. Thank you so much. That was very inspiring. Really appreciate your coming and sharing your experiences with us. The uh, next item in the agenda is using strategic uh, buying programs. And um, I have on here um, US Foods. Uh, VIN purchase group, etc. And so I'd like to hear, um, Dan, did you want to talk about U.S. Foods and VIN uh, purchase? And then if people have ex or experience, uh, we'd like to hear from you.
Uh, thank you, Ernest. Um, as you all are aware, we're st um, still working, trying to put a platform together with U.S. Foods through, a, through H2O Corporation. Uh, we're holding in the holding paddock we don't feel comfortable with the data we have. We would like to have more people submit their data uh, so we are assured that we can secure the best bottom line price with U.S. Foods. Uh, and as you're probably aware, it, if we come up with an agreement through, with H2O through and work through U.S. Foods, we can forget about rebates. We'll, we'll know when we get our merchandise, we'll know what we pay for it so we know what we have to sell it for. We don't have to wait till the end of the quarter, end of the year to find out how much rebate, if we're going to get a rebate. Uh, bottom line pricing, and then we don't have to worry about if we got to sell a case of this or 10 cases of that or whatever. But uh, within, if you like the rebate program, and I used them for 20 years, and it was fun at first, but it got to be, well, you know what, after a while. And, uh, I always, and I always did prefer bottom line pricing. I didn't, I'm still not a real fan, but it was fun. It was fun playing rebates. But Vent Purchasing Group um, offers a, a rebate program through USG. As long as our, uh, as well as RSA, and uh, it's, so it's your choice how you want to do. And and I think you know as uh, our options of purchasing product have um, been minimized over the last few years, it's important that we open up other avenues uh, so that we have competition. I guess I've always, always believed that um, in democracy, you know, some people, you know, like Democrats, some people like Republicans, and some people hate, hate both. But we have a choice. Wouldn't it be a terrible world if we had all dictatorships? You know, what did Winston Churchill say? Democracy is a very poor form of government, but all the others are so much worse. Well, autonomous purchasing is not good for anyone. Uh, monopolies, you know, I worked for uh, white collar crime for 20 years and monopoly, anti-monopoly was, you know, antitrust is part of my job. And uh, I have a total dislike for uh, monopolies and autocratic type of systems. So that's why I'm we're RSVA working so diligently trying to create other options, find other options for us. We always we have freedom of choice, and there's no commitment involved. You can buy from whoever you want. You can just continue doing what you do, but you have another option in picking up some other merchandise uh, through there. And if you enjoy using the rebate program, there's two options available now. For a long time, we only had one rebate program. Now we have two with, with Vent Purchasing Group. So research them both. And if you have any questions or you know thoughts on it, I can surely you know help you out as much as I can. Um, and, you, know, you wanna always keep your options open. You know, it, um, variety, as you know, we provide variety to our customers and that's what we're that's what makes us thrive is that if we were gonna go to our customers and say, well the only candy bar I'm gonna have in this snack machine is the Snickers. 
I don't think we've been in business very long. You see, well, the only soda I'm going to have in here is I'm going to have the uh, Diet Coke in here. I don't think it'd be around very long. Variety is the spice of life. And uh, that's what purchasing is all about. I don't know of any manufacturer that relies on one, solely one source. They're always shopping. Uh, whether they can buy something American-made, Chinese-made, Japanese-made, Mexican-made, they don't care as long as they have that choice and that ability to shop. And that's what we're trying to do here at RSVA is make those choices available to you. We'll all benefit from that. I can assure you that uh, you know, freedom of choice is the best and, and hopefully the only route to go. Anyone have any uh, thoughts or comments or questions or in any way we can encourage our colleagues to submit their data so that we know the exact uh, quantities and types of items that our customer or people are using at this, this time? I'll, uh, you, you can always uh, get a hold of me anytime. I always have my cell phone with me. I always used to say, well, except when I'm in prison, but I don't go to prisons anymore. <laughs> I served my 20-year term, I guess. <laughs> but uh, you just give me a call or you send me an email if you have any questions. But more importantly, uh, we appreciate any data you and your colleagues can uh, provide so that we can increase our purchasing power through you know, variety of uh, rebate programs and variety of uh, suppliers. Thank you. Okay, our next item on the agenda was USI, and we let them speak at the luncheon instead because he wanted to leave early this morning. So our next uh, person on the agenda is Dan Spoon from ACB. And he's going to share all about ACB's program services, about the summer convention, uh, lots of different things about ACB, and um, come on forward. All the way. <laughs> Aren't you here yet? Do <laughs> 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 you, you ever notice all the good guys are named Dan? <laughs> 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 hey, Dan. <laughs> All right. There's a chair there. There's a mic right in front of you. Oh, okay. All right. Just sit down at the chair. Is that the best way to do it? There's the mic, yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. Okay. So here he is, Mr. Lucky. Yeah. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. And you all caught me on the way to the restroom, so it may be a very short speech uh, here this morning. So, <laughs> but <laughs> um, well, thank you all. I, it, I'm excited. Uh, first of all, thank. I want to again thank Dan and thank Artis and all of you for inviting me to uh, RSVA this week. It's really been a, a, a fantastic event. I've met so many wonderful people. And I'm telling you, it's hard to get up here and speak after what Teresa just shared with us. Wasn't she just absolutely fantastic? Woo! 
I've already gone and talked to her to see if she would come to Schaumburg, Illinois in July and speak in front of our general session, and she graciously accepted. So we are really going to be excited to have her at our, our uh, full convention this year and representing RSVA and the deafblind community. So that will be just a, you know, a wonderful opportunity for all of our membership to hear just an outstanding life story. So uh, really, really excited about that. But to talk a little bit about the American Council of the Blind, uh, we, are, we are really having a fantastic year. Things are really uh, progressing very well. We've got our DC Leadership Conference, formerly known as Mid-Year, coming up next weekend. So for all of you who, who didn't get enough travel in, feel free to come on to DC next weekend. We'd love to have you. We'll have our uh, Board of Directors meeting on Saturday, February 22nd. Then the President's meeting is on Sunday, the 23rd. Dan and Artis, you all are going to be there, right? Yes. Okay, good, good, good. And then Monday, um, we'll have our legislative seminar where we get together and we're going to have Mark Schultz from RSA. So uh, he's making both trips. Uh, he was here this week and he'll be in DC next weekend to speak with us. Uh, we'll have folks from uh, the uh, Department of Transportation, the Federal Communications Commission, and we'll talk uh, over our three key imperatives uh, for this year. And then we'll take a, uh, uh, on Tuesday, we'll have an opportunity to go on Capitol Hill and visit all our legislators and, and speak face-to-face uh, -face and in person with, with those folks that hopefully uh, can help pass some legislation to change our lives in a very positive way. So very exciting week coming up next week in, in uh, in Alexandria, Virginia at the Holiday Inn Old Town. So if you're interested at all in that, please contact our our DC office, our Alexandria office, and uh, they're still trying to book a few late late arriving people into the hotel, so, so please give them a call. And then coming up in July, associated uh, with us and ACB will be our conference and convention. So I believe this is the 58th or 59th, maybe the 58th annual convention of the American Council of the Blind. It's in the village of Schaumburg, which is a suburb of Chicago, Illinois. So you wouldn't really know that you've ever left Chicago when you get to Schaumburg. It's all, you know, a very, very large metropolitan area. It's a wonderful Renaissance hotel. The rates are $94 night. Uh, really, really first-class hotel, wonderful uh, uh, convention uh, area and conference rooms. Uh, it's a mile and a half from the Woodfield Mall, which was the largest mall in America before they built the Mall of Americas in Minnesota. So it's really a wonderful shopping area. There's all kinds of restaurants. Going to be Tons of wonderful tours, uh, everything from a dinner cruise uh, at Lake Michigan to on Wednesday night, we're having a couple of busloads that are going to Kaminsky Park for the uh, Chicago White Sox-Chicago Cubs intercity rivalry baseball game. So that'll be a wonderful tour. Uh, you know, just all kinds of science and technology museum, just all kinds of great tours that are going to happen that week, as well as our general sessions. And this year we'll be having our election of uh, five of our board of directors and three of our uh, board of publications folks. So a uh, lot to do in Schomburg and uh, please pay attention to all of the convention announcements that come out from Janet Dickelman and her team. There are a few changes going on in the convention this year. 
we, you know, as, as we talked about how do we get more people more access to more of the wonderful workshops and, and trips and tours that are going on at our convention, and one thing that we felt, you know, today for all of our committees, they pay, they charge small fees like six or eight dollars to attend a lot of their workshops, as well as some of our affiliates pay, you know, a not, charge a nominal amount for some of their workshops because they have to pay for the microphones, the assisted listening devices, and the recording of their sessions. And so what we've done this year is we've eliminated the charge for the microphones. Uh, you get the package of <coughs> of a portable mic, uh, a podium mic, and assisted listening devices all included in the conference room at no charge, uh, as well as the recording of your session. And in return, what we did was we raised the registration fee from $15, which was the greatest deal in the history of a seven-day convention that we've ever heard of. So that's now gone from $15 to $25, a fairly nominal increase uh, for the cost of attending a seven-day convention. But now all of those workshops are going to be free of charge if they're just kind of informational workshops. We still do give the affiliate the opportunity for any of their wonderful fundraising events like the karaoke night or casino night, those type of things that RSVA does, any mixers, all that are still events that will be charged for. But we're hoping that the affiliates along with the committees will not charge for their workshops because they're not going to be charged for any of the uh, equipment to put on the workshop. So we think that's going to make all of our events more inclusive, give a lot more people an opportunity to participate. So uh, look forward to seeing you guys in Schaumburg and, uh, and that's really what's going on with the convention and the leadership conferences. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about the fact that you all may be aware of this, but inside of the American Council of the Blind, we have our board of directors, we have a wonderful staff with people in both Minneapolis handling our financials and in Alexandria handling the day-to-day -day operations along with uh, our advocacy uh, efforts. But, but right now, in addition to that, being the volunteer organization that we are, we have 40 committees. Now that's a lot of committees and a lot of volunteers that are giving of their time to be part of the American Council of the Blind. But it was kind of unwieldy to have 40 committees all kind of doing their own um, set of objectives and goals. And then you've got the staff, led by our executive director, Eric Bridges, that is kind of setting their own set of, of uh, goals and objectives. And then you have the board of directors, the governing body of the organization, that has in mind their own set of, of imperatives. So what we put together this year with the help of the board and our leadership team is we've now formed nine ACB steering committees, program steering committees. And these are the areas where members of our board of directors, a dedicated leave from our staff, and the chairs of the committees that roll up under that program are all now part of a steering committee that work together to set the goals and objectives for that program within ACB. So now instead of having to work day in and day out with, not, with 40 different committees, we will work with nine steering committees that will then work with their committee chairs and their uh, board of director 
um, designees and their staff person to kind of together set the objectives for that particular program inside of ACB. So if we take advocacy, for example, our, we have our Director of Advocacy and Public Affairs, uh, Clark Rackful. Uh, he will be the staff lead. We have Ron Brooks, a very schooled member from, uh, from all of our advocacy efforts, a really good, knowledgeable person when it comes to transportation, former chair of the Board of Publications. He will be our member team lead for advocacy. And then we have our seven committees that roll up under advocacy. So we have advocacy services chaired by Jeff Tom, who was here this week that you all have got, you know, have a really good relationship with. Uh, we have transportation with Sheila Styron. We have, uh, excuse me, information access committee chaired by Tony Stevens, who was a former director of advocacy for ACB. We have the information access committee, which is uh, chaired by Becky Davidson. Uh, some of you all may remember as Becky Barnes. Uh, then we also have Debbie Grubb, who's the chair of Schools for the Blind Special Education Task Force. Doug Powell, who's on the Rehabilitation Issues Task Force chair. And Gabe Griffin from California, who's the chair of our resolutions committee. So all these folks are now going to be on an advocacy steering committee, and we believe working together to set our goals and objectives. So for that particular area of our organization. We also are going to then roll all of our budgeting priorities up under these nine programs. So right now, we not only have a view of our American Council of the Blind that talks about salary and staff and rental uh, leases for our offices and this type of a budget breakdown, we also take those budget expenses and we categorize them by our nine key programs. And those nine programs are convention, which we talked about for a few minutes, advocacy, membership services, which is staff lead for that is Cindy Van Winkle, who we just hired last June. Have you all had a chance to have any conversations with Cindy? Dan, artists, have you all? Yes. Yes. So Cindy, I mean, she's just a dynamo from Washington State. She moved to Minneapolis, took on this as a new phase of her life and a new career choice. And she is hitting the ground running, doing surveys, doing interviews, doing one-on-one -on -one conversations. I think she's reached out talked to already like 150 unique members inside of our organization and leadership positions. She's going to chair that membership services committee and we're excited to hear from uh, her at the president's meeting this year. And then we have information referral and peer support. What I believe is one of the most important um, programs we have inside American Council of the Blind is is reaching out to others that are going through what we're doing as blind and visually impaired people and finding someone inside our organization through our membership that can understand what that person is going through. For all of you, as you started to lose your vision, didn't you find inside of RSVA or the American Council of the Blind or your local affiliate or chapter, it was a place to belong, a place to call home, to a place to meet somebody that was going through the same same trials and tribulations you were going through. Like they were kidding artists the other day when she said, the baskets will be right over there. 
And we all went, how many times have we heard that? And we're like, where is over there? You know, and so, so it's fun to kind of laugh and be able to tell those stories and, and talk to each other. And so I think information referral and peer support moving forward is going to be one of our most important programs and really the program that ties so closely into our special interest affiliates. The unique, unique thing about the American Council of the Blind, it's a national 501c3 non-for-profit business. But it's not the only national 501c3 non-for-profit business in the American Council of the Blind. In addition to ACB, we have 19 special interest affiliates, of which RSVA is one. So if you think of ACB a little bit differently, we have 20 national non-for-profit organizations that make up the American Council of the Blind. And those special interest affiliates are a lot of what brings information refer peer support to our organization think about it we've got we've got the diabetics in action for people who are dealing with diabetes we've got the library users group we've got randolph shepherd vendors we've uh, you know got guide dog users of america with all that they do for for guide dog users government employees the list goes on and on braille revival league We've just got so many different groups that have the ability to provide information referral and peer support to our membership. In addition to that, we've got six committees that roll up under information referral and peer support, or what Claire Stanley, our staff lead there, likes to call ERPS, <laughs> which I think is kind of a cool sounding name. But, but we have SASE, the Sight and Sound, uh, committee that deals with dual sensory loss and I uh, already talked with Teresa and we'd love for her to come and talk to those those folks at our convention this year we've got ACB women to talk about women's concerns we got multicultural affairs uh, international relations employment committee next generation committee which now may roll and become yet a new 20th uh, affiliate, a special interest affiliate under the American Council of the Blind. So these are all, again, additional affinity groups that give place, people a place to find a home inside of our organization. Next we have the audio description project. How many of y'all, give me, give me a round of applause if you've seen an audio described movie, television show, or play within the last year. Think of how far that committee has come. I mean, it is just exciting to know, to realize what is out there with audio description now. We have a wonderful website, acb.org slash ADP. And right now we have a wonderful webmaster, Fred Brack, that, that helps kind of consolidate all the different efforts that are going on with inside of audio description. And with all the advocacy that's taken place, a lot of it with Brian and Kim Charlson, got to give them a big round of applause from Boston, Massachusetts. Yay, Brian and Kim. They have worked hard through some series of structured negotiations, first with Netflix, then with Hulu. We have now have commitments from Netflix, Amazon, um, Apple, along with iTunes, as well as Hulu, and we have conversations going on right now with HBO, 
Disney Plus, all these streaming services have all committed that 100% of their original content will be audio described. So if you now go look on acb.org slash ADP, you will see over 3,700 programs and series that are audio described. So the amount of content that is out there that is audio described compared to where we were 10 or 12 years ago. Do you remember those days, guys, when you got your VHS tape and you got to see Pretty Woman that had been out for 10 years and WGBH finally audio described it and you played it over and over again because it was only one of only three audio described videos you owned in your collection? And now we have access to over 3,700 audio described series and, 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 and programs and movies. It's just absolutely fantastic. In the theaters, it's now very, very, I think, easy and accessible to get audio description receivers. When you go to the movie theaters, they all know what you're talking about. Eight of the nine Academy Award-nominated films for Best Picture this year were audio-described. Guess which one wasn't? Parasite, the one that won. So we've already sent a letter to the Academy of Motion Pictures saying this is unacceptable. If you are going to have a movie that is in the running nominated for Best Picture, it needs to be audio-described. So we will be advocating for that. But the audio description project has just done an amazing job of, of making that whole environment accessible to our community. And what that does is allow us to be an integrated part of society. Done an absolutely outstanding job. We have our scholarships and awards program. We, this year, collaborated with AFB, the American Foundation for the Blind. And we have combined their scholarship funding with our American Council of the Blind scholarship funding. We were able to not create more scholarships with the exception of one music scholarship that AFB had, but we've been able to increase the value of our scholarships. So this year we are offering 19 scholarships valued at between $2,000 and $7,500. And that is going to total over $75,000 in scholarships that we're going to give away to blind and visually impaired students. So I just think that's a, a really a strong move forward. Uh, the application process is out there. I think the deadline is today or tomorrow. And we've gotten lots of uh, applicants in. And it should be an exciting year to honor our new scholarship winners at the convention this year. In addition, uh, we have the JP J.P. Morgan Chase Fellows Scholarships. These are five scholarships we offer to potential future leaders of our organization. Uh, you, you can have been to a convention before. It doesn't have to be your first convention. But if you're an up-and-coming up leader inside this organization, which I've seen a few of those here this weekend, right, Dan and Artis? They're, they're out there. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Apply for a J.P. Morgan Chase scholarship. You get an all-expenses-paid trip to Chicago, Illinois, to Schaumburg. Uh, you get to participate in the convention for the week and enjoy the programs. And uh, we're looking forward to getting all the applicants we can for those positions, as well as the uh, DKM first-timers. Uh, we'll have one from the East Coast and one from the West Coast. So those are all opportunities for people to take advantage of. Uh, so 
keep that in mind. The Scholarship and Awards Committee is doing a fantastic job. And then our next program is public awareness. And I, I don't know if you all realize this, but as we looked at all of our communication channels inside of the American Council of the Blind, we have 21 different communication channels that our folks can take advantage of, both our affiliates and our committees and our members. We have the Braille Forum and the E-Forum. We have ACB Radio. How about a shout out to ACB Radio, Rick and Brian, yeah. So we, we've got it revamped. We now have two managers for ACB Radio. We first want to thank Larry Turnbull and all the great years of service he gave to ACB due to his health situation. He had to leave us. But we now have Debbie Hazelton and Jason, I always mess up on Jason's name, Castaway. Jason Castaway and Debbie Hazelton are our contractors that are managing American Council of Brian Radio, ACB Radio. Uh, we're working hard to improve the mainstream and make it more ACB and affiliate centric. I saw, listened to your board meeting before I got here on Monday and I heard that you all approved $75 for your, an uh, RSVA ad to be aired on uh, ACB Radio for the next six weeks. So thank you for that. We've had 15 different affiliates have taken advantage of that. We've got all kinds of new programs that are starting. I know we talked with Woody and Colton, and they want to get a podcast going about Randolph Shepard vendors, so we, we welcome that. Please come and talk to us. The more we can work together and get the word out of, of what beautiful things our community is doing, the better. So that's a big part of our public awareness. Uh, efforts as well as we've got tons of email lists that we that we reach out to on a regular basis between leadership and announce and convention email list so we have I believe right now something like 60 or 70 different acting email lists inside of ACB so that's a very rich resource uh, we also have inside ACB which is kind of our donor centric stakeholder letter that goes out uh, three times a year to our, our donors and key stakeholders. Uh, we just have, a, we have ACB Radio. Uh, we already talked about that. We've got acb.org. We've got our Facebook present, our presence, our Twitter presence, LinkedIn. All of those are up and running on a regular basis. So there's just many, many ways to, to get the word out about your activity. So please reach out to Kelly Gask in our Alexandria office and Katie Frederick from our board of directors. They're our co-team leads along with Deb Cook-Lewis from the board of publications for our public awareness committee. And then last but not least, I'll talk a little bit about our development uh, fundraising uh, program steering committee. Uh, this is right now chaired by um, our, our director of uh, development, Tom Tobin, along with Dan Dillon, who's the chair of our resource development committee. They are putting all kinds of wonderful efforts together. Two that I'd like to share with you all that are, that are spearheaded by the Resource Development Committee, and I know you all have participated on, in them in years past. The first is our ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk. The walk will be held, uh, uh, the walk will be held uh, Saturday morning at the beginning of the convention. We'll walk uh, a nice path around the hotel. The walk has done 
an outstanding job over the last few years of raising money for both American Council of the Blind and for our affiliates. So if you put a walk team together, half of the pledges that you raise go back to the go back to your affiliate. It's really an easy way through peer-to-peer -peer marketing and selling to take your email list, send it out to people you know and, and put a good team together and raise a lot of money for your organization. Uh, the Florida Council of the Blind, which I'm happy to be part of, we have really taken the AC Brin ACB Brenda Dillon Memorial Walk seriously because we just don't have the resources in a large state like Florida to put an affiliate walk together. And so what we've been able to do is work uh, reaching out to our members and the friends of our members and the family friends of our members and acquaintances and folks that we know is we really take the walk seriously and last year the Florida Council of the Blind walk team raised $27,000. And so our affiliate, Florida Council of the Blind, got $13,500. That is the biggest line item we have in our budget. So it can be done. You all have a national reach, so I would at least consider joining and being a part of the ACB Brenda Bedillon Memorial Walk this year. The second opportunity is our monthly monetary support program, MMS. Again, this is where you can make a reoccurring donation to the American Council of Blind and your special interest affiliate. So for a minimum of $10 a month, you can make a pledge and that money will go half to ACB and half to your affiliate. The, our Minnesota office does all the work, they process all the credit cards, they follow up with all of those uh, you know, tedious organizational details, and they send you uh, not even a check anymore, they send you an automatic deposit to your bank account every quarter. And again, it's really a wonderful opportunity to easily raise funds, not just for the American Council of the Blind, but for your your special interest affiliate as well. So I would encourage you all, think about becoming a member of the monthly monetary support program. I'll leave you with one thought. Our budget for this year with the American Council of the Blind is $2 million. Our annual membership raises $55,000. It only costs $5 a year to be a member of the American Council of the Blind. If you join RSVA, you are also joining the American Council of the Blind. $5 of your membership dues here are passed on to the national organization. So our membership dues and fees only account for 2.5% of our budget. So the other 97.5% of our budget has to come for development activities outside of our membership. So that's why these fundraisers like the WALK and MMS are so important. Relationships that we have with vendors and corporations and the wonderful work that we still get out of our two remaining thrift stores. American Council of Blind used to have 15 or 20 thrift stores across the country. We now have two. Both of them are in Texas, in Lubbock, in Amarillo, Texas. And this year, the two thrift stores raised $350,000 for the American Council of the Blind. So that's pretty significant. That's like 17% of our budget and is an important part of our 
of our organization and something that our Minneapolis office with Nancy Becker and her new assistant Alicia Knight work very hard to keep those two thrift stores operating well because that money which they bring in helped to fund the, the program work that we've talked about earlier. So I'll leave that with you. I just want to say thank you so much for inviting me. And I've got my legs crossed up up, up here, but I'd be happy to take a couple of questions. <laughs> <clears throat> Scott, would you like to take the mic around? <clears throat> Anyone have any questions for Dan? for the men's room? Yeah. We good? Yeah. Any questions? Oh, got a oh, hand up oh. over here. Hold on. Mike is a coming. Sorry, you might have answered this and I missed it. Is there a, a date set for the conference in July? Yes. Um, the board of directors meeting will be on Friday the 3rd. The opening session starts on Saturday, July 4th and runs through uh, Thursday. The bank will be, will be on Thursday the 9th, and then there are some final tours that are on that Friday the 10th. So officially, it runs from the 3rd of July through the 10th. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I do have a quick question. Being a Minnesota boy, sure. where, is, where is the Minneapolis office at? It's in uh, Brooklyn Center. Brooklyn Center, okay. Does that ring a bell? Yes, it does. Okay, stop by and say hi to them. Nancy and all them would love now to see you. Sure, yeah. All right, well, thank you all so much. And again, you're having an absolutely fantastic conference, and I really appreciate Dan and Artis inviting me. I hope to be back soon. Thank you. I'd like to add that um, RSVA um, has our summer uh, conference convention in conjunction with ACB, and ours uh, starts Friday evening on July 3rd. We have a mixer, and then Saturday morning we have a board of directors meeting open, and the afternoon we have programming in the afternoon, and then on Sunday we have a luncheon and business meeting, and <clears throat> we have a mixer on Saturday night after the general session, the ACB general session, and then on Sunday night we have a comedian and karaoke, and then on Monday evening uh, we're having a, a casino trip, which is, uh, I don't know, about a, a couple of miles from the hotel, and I'm not sure what we're doing Monday afternoon. Um, if anything, we, we haven't really started doing much of our programming because we had to finish this conference first. <laughs> but <clears throat> that's the general outline of the RSVA portion of the National Convention. And as Dan mentioned, um, they do have the um, leadership training session. And if you're interested in signing up for the <clears throat> um, J.P. Morgan Chase thing, what you need is a letter from your affiliate recommending you into that program, and they're going to choose five from across the country. So, and also, if you're interested in being a first-timer already, um, that's something you need a letter from your 
affiliate president. So if you're interested in any of those, uh, make sure you let John know so we can put you in the running for either of those um, um, scholarship and training opportunities. <clears throat> okay, the next item on the agenda is um, why get big box stores um, memberships and how that can help you in your business. And I have on here that Scott and John are going to talk to you about those. Oh, John's not in the room? Okay. So I guess it'll be Scott. <laughs> Lucky me. Hey. <laughs> well, I, I did talk about this a little bit but last year, but um, I do use the Costco business in uh, Minneapolis, and uh, it's a great alternative. I, I know for me, I use it as a secondary supplier. Um, I do use Vistar as my main supplier, but certain things like salads that, um, if I have to order those, I have to order such a large quantity from Vistar, where there I can go pick up just a few of them, and uh, it just works out a lot better for my my small micro market. But uh, I carry a lot of other things too. That, that's primarily what I'm using it for is to supply my micro market because you can buy in such nice small quantities. They do deliver as well. Uh, I believe over $250 is, is a free delivery charge. So um, a good thing to look into if your area has a Costco business, and I know they're working on expanding those just like they are the Costco stores. So um, be looking for that. And I will say if anybody has any questions and you want to ask me now or later, that's fine too. So. And I, I know when I was a vendor, I used Sam's Club because um, um, Cedar Rapids, Iowa, they didn't have a um, Costco. But Sam's Club is an alternative in some areas. And they both work on a membership basis. You pay an annual fee. I know Costco, I think it's $55. Um, I'm not sure how much the annual fee is for Sam's Club um, anymore. But you can buy, you know, like sandwiches. Instead of having to buy a whole case, you can just get a package, you know, like eight sandwiches pre-wrapped. And they have chips and all kinds of things. And if you don't have a large operation or... Um, you know, you need things in between your large delivery. You know, these big box stores are a great alternative. Does anyone have questions for Scott? I was going to mention too. I, I have a business membership at Costco, which is a hundred dollars, and I believe this works with Sam's Club as well. Um, you're going to get a rebate on a certain portion of your purchases through the year. And I used to get a rebate from, from Sam's Club, but that rebate's kind of shrunk away because I'm doing most of my business now with Costco. And uh, the nice thing about Costco, which Sam's does some of this too, but Costco tends to do a little better job of, um, you know, uh, you can purchase your gas there at a really good rate. Um, also, um, some of their other membership benefits are really good. I, I know I've taken a couple of... Uh, trips with Costco bis or Costco travel, and it's been very good. Um, they certainly have a buying program for your automobile, or if you need a van or something like that. So, lots of different options. So keep it in mind. 
any questions? Okay. <clears throat> Let's see what is next. It didn't look fast enough. Okay. Turn page. I guess our next item is um, we'd like to have you share your um, suggestions for next year's sagebrush. And we want lots of them, so uh, please raise your hand and tell us your ideas of what, like, what you'd like to see happen. Um, if, um, and how we can reach out to more folks because we're always looking at that. I do want to tell you um, uh, one thing. RSVA is going to have a new RSVA announce list. Uh, in the past, we've had an email list, but I've had to go through a webmaster, and it takes extra time, so I can't get the messages out as quickly. But um, ACB is um, allowing us to do an announce list under uh, their email list system, so we'll be able to send out things more quickly. Uh, when they come up. So if you're not currently on the, the RSVA email list, uh, please give me your email or send me an email later. And if you know my personal email address, that's fine. Or you can just send, send it to rsva at randolph-shepherd.org and that comes to me too. So let me know if you want to be added to that email list if you're not currently getting emails from me. One more note as well. Uh, Sagebrush Committee is always looking for volunteers to join our group. Uh, it's a great way to get to know people, and we always appreciate new thoughts and ideas on our committee. Okay, Norman. Microphone's coming back. Okay. Here we go. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is Norman. I um, <clears throat> I also is concerned about the amount of people that attend. Um, also, is there a different way to format the events? Because <clears throat> it seemed like for like even the auction, there were hardly anybody there. Couldn't it be done like more in the middle of the week, or, like Tuesday or something? Do it yeah, and and start start in the morning, Monday morning, um, with the uh, board meeting at ten instead of one, and then afternoon session just go right into regular regular um, sessions. Um, because Friday morning there's hardly anybody here again. So maybe revamp, revamping the time of the different sessions might help. Uh, we were talking about maybe doing the auction um, at the luncheon instead. What do you guys think about that? Because we had a lot more people at the luncheon. A lot more, yeah. Oop, Ted's got his hand up over here. Good. I want to hear what Ted has to say. 
I, I would love to see a panel of first-year vendors um, hosted by a first-year vendor uh, so that we can see what questions people have when they first start. Sounds like a good idea. Any other suggestions or thoughts? Any other panel ideas? Well, certainly if something comes up between now and next sagebrush, which believe it or not, it seems like a year away is a long time. <laughs> In my case, it's here before you know it. But you happen to see something, experience something uh, in this year in between time, drop me an email. Let me know what you saw. You think you'd like to add something similar to our our um, convention? We'd love to hear about it. Yeah, we start putting our uh, topic list together. We start in August, and uh, so uh, please get those ideas to us as soon as you can. Okay, Dan, can you think of anything else? No, I would just like to thank everyone um, for all of your patience. Uh, we didn't have a, a lot of fires put out this year. Everything went quite smooth. I just put a small one out, just got done with that, and I got one more little uh, cinder still uh, warm yet now. It was one more phone call. I can have that resolved, and we're good to go. It's just a fantastic group we've had this year. Everything went smooth. Hotel really was fantastic with us. Uh, and again, just to keep the word out there, we are under have a we have signed a contract for next year uh, for the week of February 15th, and uh, the rooms are not blocked yet. Uh, they won't be doing that till um, later or end of the summer before we uh, block them. But if it, if the block is publicized earlier, we'll let you know because you may want to book early because we're up against the same thing next year as that we have this year, or next year might be a little more dramatic. You know, we got the um, Valentine's Day today, and then we have the federal holiday Monday. Well, next year will be, uh, Valentine's Day will be on a Sunday, and it will be starting on the national holiday on Monday. So things are getting a little hectic down here. Uh, I just was informed that um, if you uh, didn't book your room for tomorrow evening, for Saturday, and if you don't want a room now, there's a couple left, but that's $600 per night. <laughs> so that that's how hectic it gets here in Las Vegas on a holiday in Valentine's Day. Uh, so I just wanted to make sure you're well aware that um, once we get the room block um, firmed up that you get your registrations in uh, if you want to come in early you know, being that Valentine falls on a Sunday and then the President's Day is on, on Monday so we'll we'll get that word out to you as soon as we can and, and as efficient they are I wouldn't surprise me a bit if, if Dustin already has us blocked in already with the registration desk there's so many different divisions in such a large corporation as the, the uh, Landry's Corporation uh, and, but Dustin is fantastic and you know, Scott and Alan Oakley, they're just super to work with and they tie all these ends together for us. And that's all because they appreciate you. They really are uh, 
so appreciative that we come here and they welcome us back even though they're busy and busy busy they still want us back and that's because of the uh, great group of people that we we bring to town so again thank you and uh, excellent fun and i'll give the ending code for this morning is five f g g nine Okay, everybody, I think that's going to be about a wrap now for the 2020 Sagebrush Conference. Seeing you next year. Oh, wait a minute. We got some door prizes. Oh, <laughs> some door prizes. Huh? Almost see. forgot about them. Let me see what my <clears throat> number is here. Okay. There's my, there's my number. Um, does everyone still have their numbers? Okay. We got a $25 gift card here from Mark Breen from um, his advisor services. And let's pull a number. Um, number 632. Okay. Scott, are you here? Okay. Mark is uh, unable to be here this year. He was my financial consultant, and he done quite well for me. My solo 401k is just phenomenal under Mark's guidance. But Mark's um, wife uh, just had very, very extensive um, feminine-type surgery, and she's in the long road of recovery. So otherwise, he'd uh, been like would like been here. But he did send the gift cards for Starbucks. 665 is the number. 665. Six, six, six,